Welcome to Music Nerds Unite. This is Scott Floman again with my brother Keith Floman and our buddy Larry Waldman. We're continuing our tournament to determine the greatest rock song from 2000 to 2019, though we excluded any artists that were included in our prior album tournaments from the same period. We're continuing the first round, this time for bracket number three, which I'm unofficially calling the Not Scott Bracket since only one of these songs was nominated by me. That song we just heard, well, it's from Larry. So, Larry, say a few words about it. All right, so that was Dancing On My Own by Robin from her 2010 album, Bodies uh, Talk Part 1. I initially wanted to put this in, but I think Keith and I both agreed that if we did, there was a danger of it not only winning the whole tournament, but also a danger of Scott refusing to ever podcast with me again. So I put it in as a wild card entry. But I will say that Dancing on My Own, maybe not necessarily a traditional rock song, but certainly one of the best pop singles of the 2000 to 2010 era. And I am backed in that assertion by multiple end of decade and and millennium rankings where which has it either variably as the best song of the 2010s or the 2000s or one of the top three or five songs and and I won't go through the entire list but I can I could refer you to to looking it up on uh, any of the various music ranking sites and seeing where it does rank I won't even mention to Scott because he'll have possibly I'm, I'm biting my an aneurysm <laughs> Saying that Rolling Stone in its most recent best 500 songs of all time ranked Dancing on My Own as number 20. And I do have to mention the subway, right? Yeah, you got to mention the flash mob. And if you've not seen it, I highly recommend Googling Robin, Dancing on My Own, New York City subway. Because there is a viral video where after a Robin concert at Madison Square Garden, there was a, a busker that for some reason knew that Robin was playing there and decided to start playing a ver- a version of it, which didn't have any vocals and an entire subway platform at 34th street spontaneously broke out into singing an epic rendition of dancing on my own. And there are videos of, you know, basically cell phone videos of people seeing it both from the platform and then even more amazingly across the platform and it's literally word for word for the entire song. It's it's pretty. It's great. It's great. It's, it's like it's a life affirming you know, type yeah. of, of video, and it's particularly you know in the in COVID land, uh, you know, it, you definitely long for an experience like like that if you had the chance. Yeah, I mean that uh, that what can I say that that says all you need to know about the that song, right? I mean, if if it has the power to do that got to be a hell of a song. Anyway, uh, so good pick there, Larry. Um, But before we hit the matchups, I I do want to confirm something we discussed in our last episode. I looked at the photo of the band Midlake, and unsurprisingly, every guy in the band, every guy in the band (laughs) did indeed have a beard. I don't. I I don't even know why we needed to confirm that, but I'm yeah. glad that you did. You yeah. know, I think this whole bearded folk dudes thing can be traced way back to the self-titled album by the band in 1969. Uh, you know, Garth Hudson and to a lesser extent Levon Helm, in particular, had some kick-ass beards. So 
That's good. I like how you're tying it back to to our, you know, essentially how we started out, right, with our 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s tournament. Very nice. Yeah, it's all part of uh, an overall picture. So anyway, I digress. And this is definitely this is this is the non-Scott bracket, but this is the this is the bracket where I'm I'm fearing saying goodbye to some of Mm. my, uh, you know, some songs that I'm not ready to say goodbye to. And, and although it's the not, the not Scott Bracket, I, I do really like all of these songs. And I just want to throw a shout out that before we start, one of the one of the most gratifying things that you can get in doing this podcast is when randomly a new playlist by Scott Floman appears on Spotify and you see songs that you know you introduced to him on that playlist. Yeah, it feels like, you know, a little, little help to the master. So it's it, it's it was it was good. Yeah. All right. So we're going to hit the first matchup. I think that was our longest intro ever, but we're going to start now. And uh, the first matchup is the number four seed, Yeah, 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 with Maps from 2003 versus the number 29 seed, Frighten Rabbit, with Keep Yourself Warm from 2008. Again, uh, Maps is going up against Keep Yourself Warm.
I previously mentioned the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs as part of the New York City early 2000s indie rock scene that also included The Strokes, Interpol, LCD Sound System, and others. And they were also part of the so-called Garage Rock Revival that we've talked about before. Singer Karen O has a legit rock star presence, which we've lamented we need more of. I don't know their current relationship status, but if they're single, we should totally set up Brandon Flowers and Karen O. They'd make a great <laughs> superstar power couple. What do you guys think? I like that. I like that. Let's I do think, it. Uh, Brad, sorry, Brad, Brandon's like a Mormon married for 20 years now or something. Oh, yeah. Right, but you have to ruin it. You know what? I'm not even going to go there, but maybe that's okay, right? Oh, that's right. There's, there's room. What was that show uh, on HBO with uh, Bill Paxton? I can't remember. Maps is an emotional breakup ballad. She's even shedding real tears in the song's video. The song is about her breakup with boyfriend Angus Andrew of the band Liars, and I've even read that Maps is an acronym for My Angus Please Stay. I'm not sure if that's true, but it sounds plausible. The lyric, they don't Wait, love Wait, first of all, what kind of a dumbass is Angus then, right? Yeah. I mean, come on. Karen L? Bad call. I agree. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a snappy comeback, but it's not coming to me. Well, I mean, you can't really. That was it. <laughs> Big love. Big love, yeah. So the lyric, they don't love you like I love you, says it all. And the song is a modern classic. In fact, it was voted the best alternative love song of all time in 2009 by the British music magazine NME. Maps is a bit atypical for the band, even though it's probably their best song. It reminds me of the Pretenders. Karen O's vocals here are very Chrissy Hine-like to me, which I consider a big compliment, as I think Hine is a great singer. As for Frightened Rabbit, we already talked about them in the playing round where it beat Iron and Wine. And of course, everything related to the band is haunted by the 2018 suicide death of main man Scott Hutchison, making this highly affecting song even more moving for me when I think about that. As I've mentioned previously, it has that churchy organ, which gets those feels going right away. The graphic lyrics are very memorable, and the song builds beautifully and climaxes toward the end where the song gets totally epic, which is the part of the song that we played in the playing round, episode 35, I think. The vocals are definitely emo in nature, but I hear U2 with the guitars and the build-ups as well, and I've made my love for U2 known on multiple occasions, so to me, that's a good thing. I really love the Frightened Rabbit song. Heck, I love the Iron and Wine song that it beat previously, but Maps is the highest seed in this bracket for a reason. It's one of the classics of the era, and it's a clear pick here. On to you guys. Maps is one of the songs that I, I, I nominated, and I can't remember. I think there, you know, we've talked about there's a little bit of gamesmanship, right? And I did nominate. I did nominate it. To, I nominated. It. Okay, yeah. I was going to say I couldn't remember. I thought that it was at least a twofer, if not maybe even a threefer. It, or, it would have been a threefer. I, I just didn't because I knew it was. Covered. Yeah, because you knew it would get nominated. Yeah. Um, I mean, M- Maps to me is an all-time song. I-, I I think Maps is a is a contender to to go all the way. It's it's emotional. It's got it's got that guitar rock garage band snap that I think we we sometimes lament is not that prevalent in music as much as we would like it to be, or as much as it used to be for sure. Um, and just the emotion from it continuing to build as it goes on. It's just like this song gets me every time. And, and you know, I, I remember. Again, back in our, our COVID quarantine playlist, 
days when we when I put this song into the playlist on I don't remember which which uh, category I put it in, but I put it in. I said, you know, the video when you see Karen O crying and you really feel the emotion of what's going on. And now that I know that Angus left her, it makes me very angry and upset with Angus and maybe a little bit regretful. But like you just you you, you it's compelling. You really want to you 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 identify with the lyrics and the emotion that's coming through in the song. So for me, as much as Frightened Rabbit was a nice find for me, one that I hadn't really heard before. Got to go. Got to go with Karen L in this one. Got to go with Maps. I'm hope. I'm hoping that it was Angus Young, and then it will make a lot more sense. <laughs> that would make more sense, but unfortunately, no. It was like um, a lame ass. Um, Angus. My... <laughs> I hope Angus doesn't come after us. Like Scott, who's who's the band that came after you? Well, Tool, Tool's fans were, were not very nice to me. Tool fans, fans Tool fans, yeah. Well, you know. So you know what song? You know what song? Actually, I compare to Maps a little bit, and I'd be interested in your in your thoughts of the comparison. And it's um, and she's she's oft maligned, of course. But the great You're talk about Courtney Love, uh, aren't you? I am going to talk about Courtney Love <laughs> and doll parts. To me, there's a like there's a similarity just in in the feel of the song. It maps is less angry, of course. Which one would you pick between that? I know why. Uh, I, I, I would pick Maps, but but it, you know, Doll Parks is a great song. Also, Doll Parks is a great song. Doll, like you said, Doll Parks has a much more like cynical, angry edge, whereas Maps, I think, is just more pure. It's more of a love song. More yeah. of a, it's yeah, more of a lament, more of a love song, more of a. There's more. There's a little bit more wistfulness and hope, hopefulness as well as hopelessness to Maps, whereas Doll Parks is more straight out. Like she's angry. She's pissed and yeah, you know, not really sure I want to come she's home. She's pissed, that. but she's also like, she, yeah. like she's a she wants scorn. to be the girl with the most cake. She does want to be yeah. the girl with the most cake. Um, yeah, so I, I was expecting this to happen to my beloved rabbit. Um, but would you, have, but which one are you voting for? Even though it doesn't, doesn't matter as much. Would you, which one, if, if you were going first, who would you? So vote? again, I, so you, you, you know how I, feel about music right um we do and like what i like i i to, to me like music art movies like i gravitate towards being affected right in, in a in a way and um and for many re- for many reasons just the frightened rabbit song does that to me more and you know it's it's tied to the last right it's tied to you know the video it's tied to his own personal circumstance right um it, it called you know it, it that package to me is just it's a very powerful package for that particular song um and it's you know it's more to me it's like when I hear it, it's more than just a song, right? It's like somebody's, it, you, it's somebody, it's a, it's such a real life, you know, represent like. I think maps somebody is putting too, out yeah. so maps is, of course, it is too. Um, it's just, just wait till we little, get to the last song of this of this bracket. It's just too. a little, <laughs> it's just a little less. 
match is, but it's just a little like she's she's gonna re- she's gonna get she's gonna recover, right? She's gonna rebound. Um, well, yeah, she's Karen. No, of course she's gonna rebound. Yeah. She's Karen, yeah. right? But, but, I, but actually, no. I I do get what you're, I do get what you're saying. There's whereas they're both emotionally fraught songs. You do get the sense that that maps is almost like a catharsis, and I'm I'm moving. I'm I'm going through something, and I'm gonna move past it. Whereas Keep yourself warm. You don't get that sense, you know. Right. Part of that, it, the backstory, great, though, and knowing what happened. Uh, well, that's. And it's a great. It, it's a great matchup in that, there the mood is similar to both of them, right? Like there's a direct comparison between how they sort of make you feel, um, just from the very from the very beginning, right? They're both, you know, they both draw you into this emotional journey from the from the beginning. Um, so it's a great, it's a great matchup. And I, I was expecting the outcome. So I'm not, you know, and again, I picked maps too. I think maps is one of the songs of the, of the millennium. Um, we're forcing you to pick. Yeah, no, I picked fighting rabbit, but I'm, I'm cool with, you know, that's cool. a 29 cool. seat over a four seat. So I've got my, I've got my, I've got my, yeah. All right, so uh, again, check out Fright and Rabbit. Cool band, great song. Uh, we're on to the next matchup. We got the number 13 seed of Montreal with The Past is a Grotesque Animal from 2007 versus the number 20 seed Block Party with Helicopter from 2005. <laughs> is a grotesque animal is going up against helicopter.
right. Uh, before we talk about these songs, I just want to note that the of in of Montreal is all lowercase, and that the block in Block Party is spelled B-L-O-C with no K. That's why I get paid the big bucks to make these <laughs> important distinctions. I'm, I'm glad that you pointed that out. That's good. So Up Montreal are a band led by Kevin Barnes, who have long been on my to-do list, but I haven't gotten around to more than a cursory listen of them here and there. I am familiar with this song because Keith has long extolled its virtues. It's probably on the quarantine playlist we mentioned in the last episode. Of Montreal are part of the Elephant Six collective of like-minded indie bands who sometimes share members and who are influenced by 60s psychedelic pop. This collective also includes Apples and Stereo, Olivia Tremor Control, Beulah, and others, most famously Neutral Milk Hotel, who we've talked a lot about previously, so maybe we've mentioned Elephant Six before, but honestly, I don't remember. The first thing to note about the Pask is a grotesque animal. Well, two things, really. One is that that's a great song title. Two is that it's almost 12 minutes long. I think it's the longest song in this tournament, even longer than Human Sadness from our last episode. As some of my longer recommendations, like Siberian Breaks from MGMT and Arriving Somewhere But Not Here from Porcupine Tree, didn't make the final cut. But I just want to do a little plug for those songs, yeah. This intense song definitely has some industrial elements to it, but to me, the song's greatness is mostly due to its hypnotic, kraut-rocky groove. Maybe this song is a bit overlong, but it's still great. I love those ooh backing vocals match the wild synth as the song relentlessly grooves away. On to Black Party. We mentioned the British post-punk revival previously in the Black Party. Uh, probably delivered the best album from that scene. I think Silent Alarm is an absolute classic of a debut album. That's one of the best albums of the 2000s. And though we didn't include it in our prior album tournament, we all felt bad about it. And it was one of our honorable mention albums. Block Party may not offer much in terms of originality. It's bands like Gang of Four, The Cure, and early U2 are obvious influences. But they offer plenty in terms of top shelf songs and performances. The band offers great energy and pretty ringing guitars that can also have a sharp serrated edge, like on that short solo you just heard. The band has a truly exceptional rhythm section, especially drummer Matt Tong, who we've mentioned before, who is simply spectacular. They also have a passionate, emotive singer in Kelly Okariki, I think I said that right, hopefully, who also happens to be Black, which is only notable because of how rare it is for a Black guy to play rock music in this rap-dominated era. He also plays rhythm guitar, and also Matt Tong is Asian, so they're a racially diverse band. There were a number of songs that we could have picked from Silent Along. I know Keith is a big fan of Like Eating Glass and Banquet, which he nominated. And my favorite song on the album may be the mellower and more melodic, This Modern World. But ultimately, we settled on the fast, intense, edgy, and also pretty catchy Helicopter, which Larry nominated. This matchup features two great songs. In fact, I, I almost changed my mind in, in hearing that clip. But uh, I'm going to stick with my original pick. There's no denying the impressive intensity and musicality of Block Party, but the Of Montreal song just seems more substantial and unique to me overall. Go big or go home. I I actually did know 
of Montreal before this tournament because it is kind of unusual. And and I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm probably one of the few people other than Keith who's probably made it all the way through Hissing Fauna. I mean, if Scott hasn't made it all the way through Hissing Fauna and of Montreal's catalog, then, you know. You, on my to-do list. I know, but you know that not too many people have. And it, it is a great album. It is a really unique album. I'm not going to, it's not an accessible album. It's not an easy album to listen to. I mean, even just hearing the two-minute clip that we played of The Past is a Grotesque Animal, you can see, you know, like it, it warrants some serious listening and, and it's not necessarily a, a passive album that you can hear in the background because it, it it reward it's another one of those albums and songs that rewards more frequent listening. However, I think I mentioned earlier in one of our earlier podcasts, to me, Silent Alarm, like Scott said, is one of the best albums of, of the last 20 years. And it's such a good album that I, I think I also mentioned this before. It's disappointing because I really thought Block Party was going to be bigger and better than they were. And I just didn't, they didn't do it for me after this. I mean, this was like a we, shot. We mentioned that we mentioned all the debuts from that year, right? And they yeah. all, they all failed. Like they all right. that. Yeah. And, and the and second album was pretty good, but, but nothing ever compared to Silent Alarm. The second album is as good. It's, it's okay, but it's not as good as, it's not as good as what I thought they would be after hearing this first album. Like when I heard Silent Alarm for the first time, I was like, these guys are unbelievable. They're going to be so big. And then they kind of weren't to the point where it's one of these bands where you almost wish that this was, they just did Silent Alarm and that was it. And then fell off the face of the earth and never made another album again. They'd be, they'd be legends, right? Yeah, they'd be legend. I, they, I'd be, I feel better about it. The Stone um, Roses. Yeah. There's, they and there's so many. Now. Neutral milk, right? I mean, like we, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, um, and it is interesting. If I remember, we all nominated a different song from this album, right? I didn't. I didn't. But again, uh, but it was because you knew that tough. we would. Yeah, yeah. I, I figured you would. I didn't know which one, but I figured yeah. you would. And and you know, actually, I, I, I actually not. I nominated Banquet, but but like Eating Glass is my favorite song from <laughs> <laughs> And and I think I think the first like five or even six songs on this album are all phenomenal. The only reason I put Helicopter out there first is just because. It's it's probably their like it's their their fastest you know their most rocking one and their yeah. most rocking song yeah you know I think it's got like a BPM of like 170 or 172 or something like that you know it's absurdly fast it's a great workout song it's a great like getting fired up song and and for me as much as I think hissing fawn I, I, here's the thing helicopter to me is a great song and I think the first, like I said the first five or six songs on this album are all phenomenal and it, if this was an album tournament, it would be closer for me because I think Hissing Fauna is better listened to as a full album than just a single song. And as much as I like the past as a grotesque animal, I got to go with Helicopter from a song to song perspective. If this was an album to album, it would be tougher for me. I probably would still lean a little bit block party, but it would be a closer matchup for me. So that means it's up to me. And to me, it's sort of the opposite because. To me, the Black Party album is it steals the show for for Black Party, and Helicopter is part of that sort of overall experience. Whereas for Montreal, the past is the giant, you know, like it's the giant that dominates the album. Um, it's a long song that that feels short to me. Like it, it could go on it. 
I'm waiting to hear more of the story. Like I, I'm waiting for, I want part two. Like I want to know what happens next. You know, like to me, the lyrics, like the, the lyrical journey that that's like, the, like it's a building song. Yes. Right. Like it, it, it's a pummeling hypnotic song, but the lyrical journey that it, like the lyrics are, I, I love the lyrics of this song. Like they're as it's as, it's as poetic it's a storytelling of a song as as there is from my stand. Like it's one of the best lyrical songs of all time. Um, I I love the clip that I that we played because um, you know it starts with let's just have some fun, which to me is so it's like the ironic part of the, of, of, the, of the song because like this guy is not having any. <laughs> there's not a lot of fun no. being had, but some of, some of the lyrics are just amazing. Like at the the very beginning, it hits you with the sun is out, it melts the snow that fell yesterday, makes you wonder why it bothered. <laughs> like I just love it, man. I need you here and not here too. Things could be different, but they're not. And like that sounds like a simple line, but when you hear it, like in the song, things can be different. It's a gut punch. They're not right. It's like it's a yeah. It's a, at least I offer my own disaster. It just it's on and on. Like it, the um, the poetry of this of the song is part of to me the musical experience of listening to it. Um, and it's, you know, it's a driving song, right? It, like it keeps you, it keeps building and building and building and building. Um, so to me, this is, thank you, Scott, for not sending the past home because I was wow. a little worried. That, Although I kind of, I kind of knew I was going down on this one, but that's okay. It was closer uh, than uh, you think. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, that clip from Helicopter. I actually had to really. Helicopter. I love. I love. I do love. I love helicopter. I love the album. Black Party did have potential. They're like they were Interpol. They were ready to step into that. You know, they had that sort of potential. And well, you could say Interpol didn't live up to their. First I know. I, I, I'm thinking nope. the same thing. But they at least had a little bit more staying. Power, yeah. Like staying. Power I, I think. Yeah. And yeah was pretty darn good. Too. And, yep. Um, so. Uh, the past is gonna is gonna go. I I do think the past is one of the, you know, just it's a singular type of song, right? Where it's just a lyrical journey, it's an emotional journey, it's storytelling, it's epically long, and that's probably Larry. I probably the fact that it was twelve minutes long is probably what made Scott vote for it. Probably, yeah. 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 All right, so. Uh... That's that of Montreal Moves On. But again, we absolutely recommend uh, checking out not only Helicopter, but the entirety of Sound Alarm by Black Party. I think that's the message of the Black Party is like, listen to the freaking album. Because it's, uh, we, like, we, we feel like, bad about Last week was about watching it. seasons on Letterman. This week is about listening to the album. Exactly. <laughs> The next matchup is the number five seed, the Avalanches with Since I Left You from 2000 versus the number 28 seed, the Hold Steady with Stuck Between Stations from 2006. (laughs) 
And since I left you is going up against stuck between stations. Larry talked about the Avalanches before as the album Since I Left You was one of his honorable mention picks for our prior album tournament. We talked previously about how this title track and indeed the whole album is almost completely made up of samples, which is quite the feat given how seamless and melodic the song is despite how dense it is sound-wise. There's a lot going on here, which only makes the song more interesting and helps it hold up even after many listens. I think I mentioned previously how the high-pitched vocals remind me of a young Michael Jackson. And this is one of those songs where you hear it and it's hard not to feel uplifted and joyful, much like prior songs we've included in this tournament, such as Safe and Sound, Such Great Heights, Seasons, and Midnight City. Usually our songs veer towards the depressing side of things, but this tournament is maybe a bit more balanced than usual. There's more happy songs. I'm a bit surprised that this song is so high seated. It scored a 91 rating on Best Ever Albums, but it is a great song. And I want to do a shout out to Frontier Psychiatrist as well. The album's other obvious highlight, which also has a very high score of 90 on BEA. As for the whole study, they're a really good band who have made a bunch of really good albums. Boys and Girls in America, which I consider their best album, was one of my honorable mention picks in our album tournament. And Stuck Between Stations is the lead-off track from that album, and it's certainly one of the best songs on it. And it's also the band's most popular song, at least according to Spotify. The whole study are often referred to as a bar band, and they have also been described as early Bruce Springsteen meets Thin Lizzy. As leader Craig Finn kind of talks things, and their songs are wordy like early Bruce, while they have melodic dual guitar harmonies a la Thin Lizzy along with bright keyboard and or piano colorings in a rocking rhythm section. This song is simply a nothing fancy, kick-ass, anthemic rock song with great riffs and some nifty piano and guitar interplay on the back half of the song. I love Bruce and Thin Lizzy, so of course I dig the whole steady. And whenever I play this song, I always crank it up. I'm going to go with the whole steady here. 
As you know, I tend to go straight rock over synth pop. Excellent though, since I left you is as a synth pop song. I suspect that this matchup is going to come down to Keith, but I think Larry recommended both of these songs, so maybe he'll surprise me. I, I did, and I absolutely love Boys and Girls in America when it came out, and I feel like I, I've actually, I don't want to say forgotten about it, but it, it just wasn't really in my, in a steady rotation for a long time until we started thinking about albums from the 2000s and sort of, you know, doing a little bit of digging and research and thinking about things and remembered how, how much I listened to this song. I think this might have actually been one of the first albums that I had on my first gen iPod, you know, the one that could hold like only maybe 10 or 20 albums and, you know, you had to scroll the scroll wheel. But this was on it, and I listened to it incessantly on the commute because it was, it just, it's, it's a little out of time, right? I mean, it feels like it could have come out in the late 70s or in the 80s. I, I think the way you described it, Scott, um, Craig Finn's, you know, singer-songwriter, but deeper, but also like more, I don't know, Americana country type of voice. Like it's, there's something about it that just, I felt very compelling. Like as much as I really loved it and felt it was fresh and new and interesting. It also brought me back to some of the music that I really loved when I was younger. And so it, it, it is really funny how I had forgotten how many times I listened to the song. I'm sure if I went back to my old iTunes thing where it would tell you like how many times you listened to an album, it, it's probably got to be in the high, like high, the under a hundred, but probably not much, you know, probably close to that. Um, this is a really tough one for me since I did nominate since I left you and, and, and a bit of the advocate for, for synth pop and, and more creative, different types of music than just straight up rock and roll. And I'm still in awe of how the Avalanches put music together. Even their last album, which I think I mentioned in the last podcast that came out at the end of 2020, is a phenomenal album. Lots of samples, lots of collaboration with other artists, artists that you wouldn't think necessarily would work with a band like the Avalanches. Um, I, part of me wants to, part of me wants to vote for since I left you to leave it up to Keith, but the nostalgia that I get when listening to stuff between stations, I'm, I, I, I gotta go with, with the whole thing. I'm wildly surprised. I think that I read that 900 samples or over 900 I, I've samples. I've read 900 samples. I've also read yeah. something like 3,500 yeah, samples. Yeah. And I've read that they themselves don't, they're not even really sure because some of the samples are so there's such like a micro sample that yeah. they, they've kind of like lost track. They're like, well, we don't really, you know, they're not trying to not give credit. They're just like, we really don't even remember anymore. We don't know. And so, there's samples upon samples. I'm sure. There's samples upon samples upon samples. It's interesting. It, it reminds me of another artist a little bit uh, called girl talk. Girl talk is a little bit more dance where, every, where girl talk is basically just, he, it, it's like a mashup times a hundred. He, he takes, hundreds and hundreds of samples and mashes them up into something that becomes recognizable, but yet something completely new. But the avalanche is a little bit different, whereas Girl Talk is basically just making a, a, a 90 minute or a 60 minute dance track that you can, you know, listen to because it's all samples. This is a little more artistic and it's a little bit more comprehensive in terms of how they put the samples together. It, it, it really is something to experience. So I, I highly recommend it, but when I'm going to put on a tune, probably going to put on Stuck Between Stations and probably going to put on Boys and Girls in America. Crank it up. And uh, just a couple more points that I didn't make is uh, 
Should I, do I do I get it? Do I get no. to say anything? No, no, no. We don't need your vote. That's the problem. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes being in the third position, you know what? Know. You know, get all the control. Sometimes ahead, it sucks. Go ahead. I'll 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 say it. After it's like you were about to close. You about to close this. You know this battle. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're moving on. Tough being. Uh, well, you get the bad third. That's like you know the main RBI spot, right? Yeah. Except when you know you get passed over. Um, it's funny. Sixty percent of the time, I listen to when I left you. I'm singing when I met you, right? Like <laughs> it just it fits so much better like in this song. It does. And You're right. And it and it, it fits and, much better. And, and the way and when you hear it, it's not obvious which one they're saying. Like it's sort of. <laughs> It's sort of obscured when they say when I left you, I met you. Like it, it, but it, it, it would make more sense with the music to be when I met you. It would make more sense with the music than when I met you. And you know, when I and I've mentioned in the last previously that um or at least you guys said that that song sticks it's like it sticks in your head. <laughs> you can't get it. And it's one of those songs where because the lyrics are so repeating that it's part of, I think, why it just sticks in your head so much, and and because it's a great song, and and it's so repetitive, you just you, it 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 lingers with you for, <laughs> and and you recall it in different situations where, you know, like it's just one of those lyrics that um, that just comes back over and over again. I right? like it, because it's. It, the entire song is over and over again repeating the same thing. That that said, and I agree with Larry, like stuck between stations and the whole study when it came out was like, um, you know, was a, was a dominant album at the time um, for whatever for whatever reason. And stuck between stations. I I, I and I agree. I like I had forgotten about it. like it had been sort of one of those songs where I loved it when it came out. And then it, you know, I sort of had forgotten about it. And then revisiting it now, I'm like, why? <laughs> like, why? Right. I didn't... Like, this is amazing. Why did I forget about this? Um, and to me, it is very much, and I know I say to me, but to me, it's very much like I get that Thin Lizzy, like, it's Bruce. Like, this is Springsteen in 74, like, at his peak. And if he released his song, like I wouldn't be. You could throw this out, this song in that, like in that era, yeah. Like and it would be album. one of the, and it would be one of the best Springsteen songs of all time. And yeah, you wouldn't, it and, it feels, and it would feel like a Springsteen, yeah. and it would feel like it, and it would sound like Springsteen, and it would feel like Springsteen, even though Craig Finn is a million times nerdier than Bruce Springsteen is. <laughs> this, the song is just, it's just a great. Um, Bruce has more sax too, more horns, more horns. horns this, <laughs> this got the, this has some good keyboards and uh, good rhythm, and it's a great story and it's a great song. Um, and it's worthy, uh, worthy next rounder. All right, so the, I guess the whole set is unanimous. I'm mildly surprised, but pleasantly surprised because I think it's a great tune, and as much as I. Uh, I dig the avalanches as well. Definitely uh, the whole steady song is more of my wheelhouse. So uh, <laughs> on to uh, matchup number four. That was, that was the other part was that, you know, in, in the spirit of a rock 
tournament, you know. Yeah. I don't like you know, I'm all right with that. I stole my job to be able to plug. I know. Look, a little I'm, less traditional I'm, rock songs. I'm with, but, I'm with you. I'm I'm on the Robin train too. So, yeah. So yeah, that's your homework as well, dear listeners, is to check out that Robin video on the uh, subway. But anyway, back to our tournament here. We have our last matchup of this bracket. We have the number 12 seed, the Black Keys with Weight of Love from 2014 versus the number 21 seed, the Airborne Toxic Event with Sometime Around Midnight from Love is going up against sometime around midnight. Black Keys are one of those two-people bands with Dan Auerbach on guitar and vocals and Patrick Harney on drums. They're also one of the few legit rock bands who have had significant mainstream commercial success in recent years. 
most publicly when they won three major Grammy Awards in 2013. The band is obviously influenced by the White Stripes as they have a similarly bluesy stripped down sound. I actually considered a few Black Keys songs, including popular hits like Tighten Up, Gold on the Ceiling, and Lonely Boy, and an earlier personal favorite with the Dusty Falk Ballad, The Lengths. But again, bigger is better. And Weight of Love is easily the most epic Black Keys song at almost seven minutes long. And I would argue that it's also their best song. And for confirmation, it is their highest rated song on best ever albums. Weight of Love. Shout out to Little Black Submarines while you're plugging songs. Absolutely. Weight of Love is a funky, danceable, atmospheric, and quite catchy psychedelic number that sees Auerbach delivering not one, not two, but three memorable guitar solos. He really wails away on the last solo, which is also the longest one. So naturally, that's the one I picked for the clip we just played. I'll be honest, I don't know all that much about the Airborne Toxic event, other than that their band name is a mouthful, and sometime around midnight is another major Keith favorite. I'm sure this one is in our quarantine playlist as well. And with over 31 million plays on Spotify, there are many other fans out, of it out there as well. There's not much... Of which one, of which one million are by Keith? Yeah, probably. <laughs> There's not much to say about this song. It's all about its raw emotion and its epic buildup, which Keith is all about. And I hear traces of U2 and Arcade Fire, too. This would have been a good matchup against the Frightened Rabbit song, now that I think about it. This song starts slowly, but picks up ahead of steam as it goes along. And the passion in the vocals is undeniable. According to Wikipedia... The song is about a night when lead singer Mikhail Jollett met a former girlfriend while out at a bar, during which he discovered that he still loved her. The entire band was present during this event. The lyrics to the song were written in isolation by Jollett over the course of the next three days. I'm not sure how that played out, whether he ended up marrying her or what, but it's a nice backstory to a damn good and intense song. But I have to go with the Black Keys song here and sticking with my bigger is better motto, especially since this is my only song nomination in this bracket. So I have <laughs> to stick up for it. And even though it's a much higher seed, I can't help but feel like it's the underdog in this matchup. I'm pretty sure that Keith is going to go with sometime around midnight here. So let's have Larry go last in this matchup. Keith, you're up. Up with that. Am I wrong? You just you, <laughs> you just told me I'm the number three hitter. Like you, like now you put me in the two spot. Yeah, well, you know, in this day and age, you got Aaron Judge batting second. Things are changing. <laughs> All right, the three spots the best. Now we're gonna put you. <laughs> anyway, it's only the best uh, when the when the first two <laughs> split the vote. Um. Way to love. Um, so the way the way I hear weight of love, right? It's to me you put weight of love on dark side of the moon or wish you were here, and it fits, right? Like from the beginning, two minute, you know, opening, you know, instrumental 
to the ending guitar riff. The middle is sort of, you know, could be, um, you know, the bluesy money part of Pink Floyd. It's a class, like, it's a classic rock. And, like, it's a great classic rock song. It, like, it, it is that, um, rare beast from, you know, like, there's, how many songs are like it? Like, can you think of any, any other song that, that brings you to that, you know, where you can think that that's a pink, that could be a Pink Floyd song from the seven, like, from their the modern rock song seven. that has three guitar solos? Well, just it's the same thing. It's the same. It's the same concept, right? Like, it's a it's a current it it's a song that feels sort of um, that you know in the two thousand tens, and it brings you back to the seventies, classic rock, like high level classic rock. I haven't like, thought about Pink Floyd, but but that's an interesting uh, observation and. Danger Mouse, I should mention as well, because he kind of adds some of that psychedelic uh, vibe to. But the, the, next the, time, next time you listen to it, I, I, you should think about like that seven, like that Floydish vibe of again the, the you know the when he the singing parts of you know bringing more of the bluesy part, and again I, I you can bring that back to more you know to different elements of. Of Floyd, but to me, it it could fit on Dark Side or Wish You Here or even the you know the Wall, comfortably numbish animal. Yeah, any classic Floyd album. Any classic Floyd album. Um, Sometime around midnight. To you know, for me is it's it's hard to picture. Like the the song came out when I was. Uh, how old was how old was I in two thousand eight? <laughs> I was pretty freaking old. <laughs> middle age, middle age. Too, too, old, too old to be too old to be hanging out in bars finding. I was, thir- was thirty nine years old in two thousand eight when the song came out, and yet, like when I think of, when I hear the song today, I feel like that song's been with me for my whole life. You know, like like I feel like I'm. I feel like I was in, when I was in college and walking home drunk, one you know nights, that that was like I was hearing this this song, um, and you know feeling those you know feeling those emotions like that's that's the power of this song. I always get impacted by a song whenever I hear it. You know, like it it always affects me. Like it's impossible like every single time i hear a song i'm like taken to a place you know like emotionally to a place and again for me that's what music is and while way to love is um the power of weight of love is in the bluesiness of like this like the, the instrumentals and you know how um the song is constructed the power of Sometime around midnight is just like it's like it hits you over the head with a hammer, right? And so I, I, I you know, I favor the hammer. Um, so I'm going with uh, Airborne. And I, I there's so, there's a you know the fact that it was written from a real life event, like 
instantaneously, you know, sort of adds to, uh, adds to it. and Scott, um, I don't like from my standpoint, she broke his, like, they never got back together. Yeah, there's no way they got together. That would crush me if that actually happened. <laughs> to build the suspense and, and, and stall a little bit. Frighten Rabbit or uh, or sometime around midnight. Putting him on the Again, spot. There's, a diff- there's a difference between them, right? Like, one is real life. Like, somebody... I connect more with sometime around midnight. Person- like, personally, that's the song that affects me more and Fire and Rabbit is the one that hits me a little bit harder just because of his journey. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. a, there's a difference between the two songs. I, I would pick sometime around midnight just because it just, I connect more with it personally, but Fire and Rabbit has that like, holy shit, you know, like aspect to it where it was so real for somebody else that um, that had such tragic consequences that it, it's there's an enormity to that, you know. Anyway, that's uh, we're veering off track here. We're going to get it back to Larry and uh, he's going to decide this matchup. And be succinct about it, of course, as Larry tells us that he is. I am very succinct. I I love the Black Keys. When he says that, he he he's implying that Keith and I are not succinct. <laughs> I am I am particularly implying that other folks on this it podcast are not quite as succinct. Yes, yes. Um, I love the Black Keys. I think the Black Keys are a great band. I love the fact that they are a rock band. That it's two people. I do kind of tend to think that it's more of a an Arabic band, right? Like I think he. I feel like he's more much more dominant. But nonetheless, it's a... Um, yeah, the other guy's Meg. <laughs> the other guy is Meg, exactly. And, but yet, and yet when you, when you see him in concert, they have like 10 people on stage. So it's like... Yeah, yes, yeah, I don't know how that works. And during this period, Danger Mouse was essentially like a third black. Yeah, and, and I was just going to say, I mean, Danger Mouse produced uh, Brothers. He produced um, the one before that was Attack and Release, right? No, the one after El Camino. And, and well, uh, I think he, I think he produced a couple of songs on Attack and Release, and he definitely produced El Camino. Yeah. Um, but I, I, they're they're a phenomenal band, and and I, yeah, I do think that the you know Weight of Love is a great song. I, I'm not sure if I totally buy into the what you guys are talking about with Floyd, but I can see it. Like I, I can definitely see it, and I kind of gravitate, even though it's an epic song, I gravitate to a little bit more of their more traditional rock songs. You know, the the, the shorter three, four, five-minute songs. Having said that, the first time I ever heard Sometime Around Midnight, I'm sure Keith probably played it. We were probably, it was a later night. We were probably drinking, probably hanging out. And I'm like, what is this song? I've never heard this song, but it's speaking to me because we've all been there. We've all been at that bar. We've all had this exact same thing happen to us. Maybe not like the girlfriend, but you know, someone you crushed on, someone you had a relationship. So we've all been there and yet, this guy managed to put it into the most perfectly epic song about that scenario ever. And it makes you feel like, yeah, like, yeah, that happened to me. I, I, I that happened to me last week. That happened to me. You know, didn't really happen to me last week. Don't tell Katina, but it, it, it does speak to me more. So whereas I feel like weight of love is probably a better rock song. 
sometime around midnight, just it just hits me much more. I mean, and we've talked a lot in this particular podcast around how songs make you feel and the emotions that they they bring up or the nostalgia that they bring up. And maybe this isn't great nostalgia because it's not, not a great story, but it definitely hits me more. So this one, this one was not that close for me. I mean, I'm a little surprised just because literally, I don't remember the first time I ever heard Sometime Around Midnight. I don't even think I've ever listened to the entire album, but from a song perspective, this is an epic song. So sometimes and you agree, you, 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 going forward. you agree, it brings you, it brings you back to like your youth yet. Absolutely. It, it came out, it's very it came, relatable. It, but it came out, but it came out when you were old. <laughs> yeah, I know. If you haven't had a thing with a girl and it didn't quite go your way, you, 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 yeah. you can relate to it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I relate to the fact that that's probably not going to happen. Although maybe it will, you never know. Maybe I'll go to a bar next week and I'll see somebody and it won't work out and I'll my friends will have to drag me out and I'll write a song, but it won't be as epic as Sometime Around Midnight. All right, so we're going to wrap this up. Uh, so the matchups tonight, the number four seed Maps by Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs beat the number 29 seed Keep Yourself Warm from Frightened Rabbit, a Keith favorite, and he prevented it from being unanimous. So uh, great tune, both great tunes. And then we had the number 13 seed, The Pask is a Grotesque Animal by Of Montreal, beat the number 20 seed Helicopter by Block Party in a close matchup. Then we had a unanimous, a little surprisingly unanimous, we had the uh, number 28 seed, Stuck Between Stations by The Whole Steady, beat the number 5 seed, Since I Left You by The Avalanches. Uh, a major upset if you go by the seedings. Then, unsurprisingly, despite being the lower seed, the number 21 seed sometime around midnight by the Airborne Toxic event beat the number 12 seed Weight of Love by the Black Keys. So, again, we uh, had a good time talking about tunes tonight. Have a good night, everyone. Night, everybody. Absolutely.